56 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and once again, unfortunately, Tom uh, can't join us this week. He's in the cooler. But I'm joined today by uh, Dana Nachman, award-winning documentary filmmaker. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure uh, being able to talk to, to someone with, with your insight to, to how to make uh, movies. Hopefully we'll, we'll have a fun week where we'll be able to really uh, check out some, some interesting things about the way that uh, Sturgis made this movie. Sounds good. All right. So episode uh, 56 starts off with Von Luger saluting Ramsey and walking away and uh, goes all the way till Mac starts giving a bunch of goodies to Henley. So basically this minute continues the conversation that that the officers were having in in the garden uh, that we discussed last week. Uh, Basically, you have, uh, you know, Ramsey, Mac, Ashley Pitt and, and Roger standing there uh, doing their gardening. And Von Luger comes along with uh, both Posen and Strachwitz, and they have a little conversation about uh, the gardening. So we basically just get the tag end here. And basically, all three officers, uh, all three German officers, salute the the British, and then they walk away. Which, again, this is something that really fascinates me, the fact that, you know, there's, there's some sort of, you know, code of conduct between the officers here, that even though, you know, we're dealing with jailers and prisoners... They still have respect for one another. They're still able to, you know, salute one another, you know, g- give them the, the credit that they, I guess, that, that they earned or however you want to, to look at it from that perspective. And then at that point, uh, Ashley Pitt makes a very interesting comment. He says, uh, I have a nasty feeling he knows exactly what we're doing. And uh, the, the response that Roger gives is that maybe he does. And then Ashley Pitt responds once again with, you don't really think so now, do you? So it sounds as if he's pretty much contradicting himself here uh, with with the way that he's uh, talking about this. You know, Ashley Pitt, on the one hand, brings up the idea that, you know, he doesn't say it in a sarcastic way. Or or maybe actually at the beginning, maybe he does say it in a sarcastic way. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Dana? I think um, probably what they're doing um, for the film is trying to up the stakes. You know, they're constantly this, you know, involved in this cat and mouse game. Um, and and so they're trying to make sure that, that the stakes for that are, are front and center all the time. So this is, a, you know, I don't know how long it's been exactly since the last time they've done that, but this is doing it again. Um, and so it's, it's either creating kind of um, like doubt in the mind of the audience uh, and then, but, you know, or maybe... Uh, you know, lack of, their lack of self-confidence um, kind of affects the audience. So, but I think that they're trying to up the stakes here and make us worried uh, for the most part. All right, that actually makes a lot of sense, that they, that Sturgis would do something like this, or when they wrote the script that they would do that. And then uh, Ramsey's response to all that is, well, we'll find out soon enough, which, which is great foreshadowing. Because, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, this is a great cat-and-mouse chase between both sides throughout the entire movie. Both, both sides are showing that uh, we're dealing with uh, two intelligent bases that, you know, the one one side they're trying to, to, to plan the escape and, and execute it, and the other one are, they're trying to stop it. And I guess you could also execute them. Yeah, and the stakes are, you know, I think, like, good movies um, have stakes kind of baked into their plots, and this obviously does. I mean, the whole thing is about an escape, right? So uh, so they just want to kind of keep that going the whole time, and the stakes are, are high for the for the Germans, too. You know, they can't. Um, just let people willy nilly out of their prison camps, you know. So, um, so it's important, right? And I mean, what, what's interesting is is that in the the original script, that this scene doesn't end at this point. It continues uh, with Von Luger, and we see that he goes to the gate. And as he gets to the gate, he bumps into Soren, who then Von Luger says to him, "Okay, you can check me out now." And Soren goes, "What? Beg your pardon, sir?" And he goes, "Let me have your list now." 
what a little background on this in the original story one of the things that they they did was is they put a lot of the the they had a prisoner duty officer or whatever uh, that was standing close to the to, to the front gate and keeping track of of when the soldiers are, are, are the Germans are, are coming in and out of the compound you know how long they're staying in the compound for and things like that and so the fact that uh, the original script deals with that is is great because you know, here we have Von Luger basically understanding that that's what they're doing. You know, they're keeping track of when he's coming in and out. And, you know, he says to Soren, basically, you know, you can mark down that I've left the compound. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, Von Luger basically asks for the list. And, you know, Soren doesn't want to give it to him. And then he, he uh, decides to, to hand it over. And then Von Luger, it says Von Luger smiles, glances at the list of his guards. The, and he can see the, their times of when they've come in and out. And then he looks at his watch. And then he, he marks down, you know, under his name, he writes out and the time that, uh, that, that he's walking out. And then he hands it back. And then he, he says to Von Luger, give my compliments to Group Captain Ramsey. Ask him if I can have a daily copy. It would be most useful to have an independent, trustworthy report of the movement, movements of my men. I mean, this is just a fascinating part of the story that I'm really shocked that they, they kept out. Because what, what they're basically saying here is, is that Von Luger is not only knows that, that they're keeping track of all this, but he wants to use it to his benefit. Yeah, so was that part supposed to come before the exchange um, about that they know it was supposed to come before the exchange? Maybe they know what we're doing. So... No, 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 no. He says we, we, I, that if we knows if if he does, we'll find out soon enough. And then it goes to that. So it, it at that point, it would actually also raise the stakes because they're basically telling us that know. okay, he knows something's going on. You know, he knows you're keeping track of of when the guards are coming in and out. And and as a uh, it's it's interesting because as like an executive, you know, he he's he's wondering himself: Are his men efficient enough? Right. You know, here he has an independent, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's able to, to, to get an independent report of when his men are coming in and out of the compound, you know, what they're doing, you know, are, are they spending too much time in the compound or, or not enough time? And, you know, that, that's an interesting way to inspect what your, uh, underlings are doing. And your prisoners are doing some of the work for you. Exactly. Exactly. And the line that he says that, that he's, that he's, uh, you know, that he, it's great to have an independent and trustworthy report. <laughs> you know, meaning he knows that that what they're they're writing is truthful here. Yeah. You know, this isn't just a BS thing that they're they're just keeping track of it. They're methodically making you know making notes of when people are coming in and out. Right. No, I, I just find it interesting. You know, a lot of times, as you probably know this as as a director. You know, when when you're going through uh, you know the the film and you're deciding what needs to be cut and what not. So you're going to cut something that you don't think is as integral to, to the plot. Right. Which shocks me because this sounds like something that, that, that would be integral. Yeah, I mean, who knows what they were thinking with this. I, I mean, I could see it being, I mean, obviously it wasn't uh, integral really because, like, if you don't ever, it just depends how many other scenes they had that connected to that keeping track of the whereabouts of the of the guards. Um, if it was, like, a one-off, like, sometimes you're like, okay, well, that can go. Like, I mean, I, you know, who knows? It was such a long movie that, you know, sometimes you just do stuff 
for you know, cuts for time, you know? Um, and I don't, you know, I mean, this is such a long movie. I don't know for the time if it was such a long movie, but I mean, now this only certain directors could get away with this kind of length. Um, but you know, were they, what, what was it again? Was it two and a half hours, the total running time? The 172 minutes. It's the 252 minutes. You would know. You would know that. It's two hours and 50, two hours and 52 minutes. Two hours. I mean, so like, what did they say? Like, you have, you cannot go above 255 or or something. Like, they had to make a, a cut yeah. somewhere, you know? And so, um, who knows? They could have done it for time. They could have also done it for, you know, sometimes there's just too many tentacles and you have to, sort of say, okay, like the, the audience doesn't want to work hard to keep track of everything that's happening. And so maybe they felt like that would, that would just be too much, you know, just, we didn't need that one, one little kind of offshoot of the, of the plot. That's true. It could also be that they're, they're looking at it from the perspective that uh, maybe they don't want to make Von Luger more sympathetic than he already is. Yep. Or maybe they had a technical error with that scene and it didn't look good or it, or something happened. You, you just don't know. Uh, it's very in- interesting. I mean, I think that's why, you know, DVD extras used to be so fascinating and, and interesting to, to get into. Cause you could kind of get in the mind of the director. There's a million reasons why something makes it or doesn't make it. Maybe the actors didn't do a good job on the delivery of it. Uh, you just, you just don't know. Right. Sure. We'll never know. <laughs> It's, it's, it, we, we can just, uh, you know, postulate and, uh, and, and wonder. Yep. And, uh, that, that's about as far as we can get with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that ends that scene. And then, uh, we, we get to see, uh, Mac walking through the compound and he, he walks by what looks like a kiosk. As, as always, this is one of the first times I've actually noticed, you know, in the back that, that it looks like, you know, they're, they're, they're selling things. You know, you have your prisoners standing there, uh, you know, get, get your, uh, you know, I don't know, they're selling ices or they're selling, uh, you know, hot chocolate. I don't know what, what they're doing. I mean, obviously, when, when you try and look at what they have there, it looks more like they have, uh, it's, it's hardware. You know, it looks like they have paint <laughs> and, uh, you know, a hose and a whole bunch of uh, baskets uh, carrying other types of supplies. Yeah. So, and, and there's also like a, there's a blue vase, which looks like a, you know, a Ming vase or something like that, which, which you know, I don't, I don't really know what, what use someone would have for that. In, in the compound, but but it's amazing the amount of detail. Most films wouldn't wouldn't even bother to do this. You know, he's just walking by a closed barracks. Why why do you need to have this there unless you want to try to show how busy this whole compound is? That there's so much going on. Yeah, I mean, I think it also adds a lot to the um, to the frame. Like if you you know kind of wait till he walks by till he's almost past it, you see that not only is there stuff happening inside the canteen or whatever that is, um, but there's there's soldiers um, behind there, and then the forest. It's just a very layered situation, you know, which I think does say that it's very um, busy and and, uh, lots going on. But then I think there's also somebody kind of um, leaning on the building or or just walking slowly. Like there's a lot happening um, there. And I think, you know, if he had walked by just a solid, uh, you know, kind of wall there, it would look much less um, exciting. Yeah. Impressive. And then, you know, I I think that that they obviously like lit the inside of that canteen too. Um, you know, it has a kind of glowing sort of warm lighting situation in there. Um, so they, they did take a lot of time with it. Um, and I think the shot is, is awesome and beautiful. Most of it. Yeah. And they also established that it just rained because you have puddles of, of, uh, yep. you know, of, 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 uh, rain on the ground, a little bit of mud, you know, trying to, trying to show that not everything is, uh, is all sunny and, uh, and fun. Right. 
Right. And and what's interesting, it, it, it's it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to tell what he's carrying. That when I first started, I thought he was carrying like some sort of Philofax or something like that. You know, <laughs> but find out in a few seconds, he's basically holding a uh, a box that that uh, that has a lot of goodies in it. Yeah. And uh, so he opens the door and comes into the room and see uh, the, it shifts to a shot of Hendley doing something on the side of his closet, which if you don't, if you take a quick look, you see that, that he's actually putting a lock on his closet. Uh, so he, he's got a very handy uh, Swiss Army knife that yeah. he's able to, 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 to put on a, a lock. I mean, obviously, Henley is the, the character who's able to get anything and everything that's needed. You know, getting getting a, a lock from somewhere is, is not that difficult for him. But it's just, it's interesting that they sh- actually show him put the this lock on the, the closet. Yeah, it's like he's prepping for the scene. You know, prepping yes. for the next steps, he knows it's happening, and he's taking, he's doing his his part. Right, but it also shows that that he's somewhat concerned that there's a possibility that someone might try and steal what he's putting into his closet. So there's there's a reason for that. Right, but wouldn't that cause, um, you know, if a guard were to come in, wouldn't he wonder why there's a lock on there? I mean, I would. Um, yeah, that, that's <laughs> a good, very good question. But he's friends with Werner, so you never know. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Werner will let it slide. Right. Maybe Werner will think that his uh, that his wallet is stuck in there somewhere. Right. You know, that that's actually a very good point. I didn't even think about that fact that the, the guards would, would be a little suspicious of, of that. I mean, as as most people know, you know, you generally need to, to, to hide your stuff whenever you're in a some sort of, even when you're in sleep boy camp or, or whether you're in the military or whatever it is, you know, you got to make sure that, that all your supplies are are uh, properly secured so that someone's not just going to lift it up, lift it. Right. Without you knowing. Lots of people around. Yeah. So, uh, Mac then ent- enters the room. And at this point, what, what's, what's interesting is, is that they, they refer to each other by their first names. Now, throughout most of the movie, the characters are all referring to themselves by their last names. Right. Uh, you know, and at this point, you know, Mac walks in and, and, I mean, everyone calls him Mac and he, he goes, morning, Bob. And then, you know, I think this is the first time that we actually hear that Henley's first name is Bob. And then he responds back, hi, Andy, you know, which, which again, so now we know that he's Andy McDonald and he's uh Bob uh Bob Henley. Right. So I it's just it's just interesting that, that they chose at this point to make them less formal uh with what they're doing. I guess partially it has to do with what they're what they're about to be dealing with here. You know, this is this is very sensitive things that are inside this box. So Mac puts the uh box down and starts uh taking an inventory of everything he's taking out. So he says, uh, all right, we got two packets of biscuits. We got two tins of coffee. We got Bovril, which is one 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 jar of Bovril. Yeah, do you have any idea what Bovril is? Nope. All right. Well, I, I looked it up, and what it is is it's it's a it's like a spread. You know, it's sort of it's it's a I don't want to say it's a British version of peanut butter, but it, it's basically uh, it's it's a meat extract that that's used to to spread on uh, bread, and you know you can also use it to to make a drink out of it by diluting hot water. Or uh, sometimes milk in order to, and oh. it was used for flavoring in soups, in broths, stews, porridge, and you know they, it's like Marmite or Vegemite that they would spread on toast or bread or whatever it is. So that, that's interesting. Cool. I mean, I've seen this movie so many times that I never paid attention to the word Bovril. You know, I, I'd never even heard of it, and yeah. uh, probably if I think about it a week from now, I won't remember you know what it is. Besides the fact that it's some sort of spread. You'll be good at Trivial Pursuit if it comes out one day. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that that's not going to be a question in Trivial Pursuit. You know, like, uh, what jar <laughs> of did, did uh, Mac take out of the box in The Great Escape? <laughs> oh, Bovril, Bovril. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, and then, uh, you know, six packets of, uh, of cigarettes. And then he's got strawberry jam. And, and he starts telling him where all the, the, these things came from. You know, strawberry jam that came from Soren. And then he says, uh, black currant jam from Cavendish. Now, you, have you ever heard of black currant? Do you know what that is? Um, I've heard of it, but I don't know if I've ever had it. I think I've seen it in jam or. Right. Um, well, apparently it was something that it, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's a type of spread. It's kind of like a, it's a fruity sauce that's used, uh, a lot of times in, in, in cooking, uh, roast duck or things like that. It was actually banned in the U.S. for a long time, for, for over a century because it was something wow. that was, it, it was something that it would, it was causing something known as white pine blister rust that was, uh, threatening the U.S. logging industry. Huh. And so they, it, cause it's something that originally came from, from Europe. So the, the original colonies, uh, you know, back in the uh, 18th century, they, they were actually, uh, it was, it was used quite often. And then at one point they decided to ban it because it was causing problems for the logging industry. Based on what I've read, it's, uh, it's more popular now in the States than, than it was, uh, but only it only came back within the last 15, 20 years, something like that. Which means that when this movie was made in 1963 or 1962, I'm assuming most people had no idea what Blackcurrant Jam was. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. One thing I think is funny about this is right after that, when uh, he reaches back into his, um, his cabinet there, uh, it's funny because he doesn't look, right? Like, so that, I wonder how many takes it took him to do that. Like, you, you know, like a normal person would look. Right, but he was yeah. obviously. Totally I, I, I think it's to, to make his character seem as more of a know-it-all. You know, he he can do whatever he wants. He knows. He just has to reach behind, and he knows that he's able to, to bring this tin out. I feel like that must have taken a lot of doing. Um, well, I mean, come that. on, you, James Garner is is a professional actor, so you never know. Maybe maybe they just told him once. Maybe they didn't even tell him to do it. Maybe he ad libbed it, and they liked it so much they decided to keep it in. Yeah, I can imagine like many bloopers with him like <laughs> knocking the thing, and like I, I think that's like a. Yeah, that's true. Because you know, he could he could he could jam his hand in, into the into the bottom part of the closet, you know, and hit his jacket instead of that. That's a good point. And uh <laughs> that's pretty much uh, everything that uh that happens in this minute because he, he pulls out the, the, the jar, but we don't know yet what's in that jar. What's in the jar? What's in the jar? Isn't that a famous sense? Isn't that a saying or something like that? I don't know, but we will find out tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um I, you wanna come back tomorrow? Sure. All right, excellent. <laughs> So uh, why don't you, once again, t- why don't you tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you? Sure. Um, well, I think the best thing is my website because you can see all my, my films and contact me. It's Dana Nachman, N-A-C-H-M-A-N.com. Okay, great. And uh, while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and stuff on any podcatcher that you're using to listen to the show. You can send us an email, thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. And you can contact us by Twitter at Great Escape MXM. So until tomorrow, tally ho. Tally ho.